Well, I want to uh, just welcome you to week three of a series of messages we've been calling If My People. Those three words are how one of the greatest promises in all the Bible start out. God was promising Solomon after he had dedicated the temple that he had built in God's honor to him. God promised him that if the people of God were to drift away from God and if they were to begin to embrace the wickedness of a fallen world, that God would be faithful to them even when they weren't faithful to him. And God promised that if his people would just come back to him, that he would heal their land. And, you know, the healing of the land is something that makes this such a precious promise to all of us today because all of us know how desperately our own land needs healing right here, right now. Can I get a better amen? I mean, our land needs healing today. And once again, I mean, uh, we knew that before Friday, but with the events of Friday um, and, and everything that has followed since yesterday, I mean, we recognize that our land is divided. Our land is torn. Our land is conflicted. And only God can heal that. You understand that, don't you? Only God can really heal that. And we need him to. We want him to. And so I'm just so thankful for the promise of God that's there in Scripture. And uh, what what we've decided to do is just kind of unpack that promise. And we've been doing that week by week. And week one, what we learned together is that we must find our identity in God. God said, if my people who are called by my name. So look at me. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, your identity is first and foremost in him. Before you are anything else, you are his. And we need to find our identity in him, not in some political party or even uh, what segment of the community you quote unquote belong to. No, 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 no. We belong to God. We're God's people. And that's where we need to find our identity. And then once we find our identity in him, we see our responsibility. He said, if my people called by my name will do some things. And he prescribed what would be necessary in order for our land to experience healing. Now, uh, what we, we learned last week is that because the people of God have to do what only the people of God can do in order to see healing in their land, that makes the church essential. Doesn't matter what the politicians are saying. Uh, God said we're essential as his people if our land is ever going to experience healing. And the essential nature of the church... Uh, makes it paramount that we really take this promise and observe the prescription thereof, therein, and and really walk that out, carry that out to the glory of God. So here's what God said. He said, if my people called by my name will humble themselves. Week two, that's what we talked about. How important humility is right now. Now, we know uh, the Democratic Party just had their convention this past week. And, of course, it couldn't be done live and in person. They had to do it remotely. They had to do it kind of online like so many other things. Uh, and there were uh, a couple of different caucuses within the Democratic Party that when they got ready to, to, um, to make the pledge of allegiance, they completely left out the part of the pledge that says one nation under God. Now listen, i got to say to you, no matter what your political persuasion is, if you're a believer in Jesus, you don't want to leave that part out, right? (laughs) Listen, you don't want to leave that out. We need to be under our God today more than we've ever needed him before. As a nation, we need to be 
under God, and we need to humble ourselves and acknowledge, God, we need you. America needs you. Come on, church. Acadiana needs God, right? So we have to humble ourselves before the Lord. And he said that if we'll do that, if we'll humble ourselves, and if we will pray and seek his face, that this can lead to the healing of our land. So today, I want to begin to take a look at that part of the prescription where in that humility before God, we pray and we seek his face. That's what God said we're to do. We're to pray and we're to seek his face. Now, some of you already are confused because you, you thought that praying and seeking the face of God was one and the same. Jeff, isn't that the same thing? Uh, aren't we seeking the face of God when we pray, obviously there is a distinction because God said in the prescription to the healing of our land, we must humble ourselves, pray, and seek his face. So the healing of America depends on God's people understanding the difference between prayer and seeking the face of God. So I'd like to really help us with that today. What does it mean to seek the face of God? Because I think we understand prayer. In fact, I think most of us pray. Even if you're not overtly religious, quote unquote, or whatever, listen, there are times when pretty much everybody prays. Listen, when you've got two hurricanes headed towards you, you pray. Right? When, when the things we've witnessed from afar in our nation show up at our front door, and all of a sudden there is someone who dies and the police are connected to that, and the community begins to unwind over the issue, you start praying, right, if you're a God-fearing person. You start praying. When you meet face-to-face with a pandemic that locks you inside your own home for months, you pray. We're familiar with prayer. And we know that prayer is an effort to see the hand of God move. We know that prayer demonstrates a desire to know God's provision. God, we, we want you to step in. God, we want you to intervene. God, we want you to hold those storms at bay. God, we want you to unite our community where the enemy's trying to divide our community. Come on, we pray to see the hand of God and the provision of God. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. Prayer demonstrates a desire to know God's provision. But seeking God's face demonstrates a desire to know something beyond just the provision of God. Seeking the face of God demonstrates the desire to know God's person and to know God's presence. And can I tell you, that's what America needs. More than just the hand of God to stop a storm. More than just the hand of God to unite a nation. We need God's person. We need to know him intimately and personally. We need to know him, as Paul prayed, in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. We want to know God. When you seek the face of God, you demonstrate you want to know God. You don't want to just know about God. You want to know God. You want to know him in that intimate, personal way. That's what you demonstrate when you seek God's face. God, I want your presence. Like Moses, you say, God, I want your presence. If you're not going, I'm not going. Because I'm going with you, God. I'm going or I'm staying with you, God. I want your presence. I want to know your person. 
So God said, if the land's going to be healed, it's not just enough to pray so we can see his hand. If America is going to be healed, the church has to stop just seeking the hand of God and start seeking the face of God. And, And again, what we've recognized in this responsibility prescribed in this promise is that the The responsibility for the healing of America doesn't lie at the feet of politicians. It doesn't lie at the feet of Wall Street or Hollywood. It lies right here at our door. It belongs to the church. It's our responsibility to to know God, to go after God with all of our heart, to seek God's face. Listen to Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through verse 26. Now, this is the blessing that God tells Moses to have Aaron and his sons, the Levitical priests. This is the blessing that God says, Moses, I want you to have Aaron bless my people this way. And we're familiar with that blessing. Most of us have heard this blessing coming up uh, in church circles. And, you know, Carrie Job just made a song out of it, and it's all over the radio, and we've sang it here at our church, and we love it. But I want you to hear the blessing. God tells Moses, I want the priest to give this blessing to my people. He says in verse 23, Numbers chapter 6, verse 23, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Do you see what happens When we begin to seek the face of God, where we move beyond the hand of God and what he's capable of to the face of God and who he is, do you see what happens? It is in the face of God, his person, his presence, that we find grace, we find peace, we find strength, we find revelation. Now listen to me. Is there anything you could think of today you need more? Then his grace and peace, his strength and revelation. I'd love to hear it. If you know of something you need more than the grace of God, the peace of God, the strength of God, the revelation of God. And that's exactly what the blessing says. The blessing says that God's face will shine on you and he'll be gracious to you. That his face will be turned towards you and he'll give you peace. And then listen to the instruction The psalmist gives by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Psalm 105, verse 4. And then it's repeated in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 11. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the psalmist says, seek the Lord. Remember, it's not enough just to pray. It's not just about his hand. It's about his heart. And so we're to pray and seek his face. And the psalmist said, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face face continually. Did you hear what happens when we seek the face of God? We know the strength of God. Church, we need the strength of God. I got to be honest with you. Our weakness as a church has shown up big time. We see the weakness of a church incapable of meeting the demands of the hour that we're in simply because we haven't sought the face of God as we should. But if we will begin to say, God, I'm going to move beyond just praying for your hand when I need you. And God, I'm going to start seeking your face because I want to know you. God, I'm going to start seeking to know you, God. When we start start 
leaning in to truly know God and seek his face, God is going to pour a strength into the church that will absolutely meet the demands of a world that's coming apart at the seams. And we're going to be able to point to a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. But we've got to seek his face. Listen up. Psalm 19. You guys don't mind if we study the Bible, do you? This is Psalm 119, Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 135. The psalmist says, make your face shine on your servant. Oh, that should be our prayer today. Make your face shine on your servant and teach me your statutes. When we move beyond prayer for the hand of God to a place where we're seeking the face of God, we begin to learn his statutes. We, need to, we, we begin to learn from him. We begin to glean understanding from him. We begin to see what we couldn't see before. We have what I like to call those aha moments. I wonder if you've had them. You, you know what I mean. It's that moment when you've been serving God for years and, and you've read the Bible. And, and one morning, though, you're, you're, you're pressing in. You're seeking to know him. And, and you open up scripture. You probably read a hundred times. And all of a sudden, this time, that verse jumps off the page. And it gets down in your spirit. And it's a revelation moment, a ha, ha, ha moment where all of a sudden you know what you didn't know before. You see what you, what you couldn't possibly see before because God now has opened the eyes of your understand, I'm telling you the church needs that aha moment. We need to seek the face of God that we might learn his statutes because that revelation, that aha moment of God's precepts are going to correct the course for how we treat one another. We'll begin to treat one another differently when we have that aha moment. Uh, the revelation of God's precepts will correct the course on how we govern ourselves. And we'll begin to understand what's important. Not It's not that God does what we want him to do, but that we do what God wants us to do. We need that aha moment in the church here in 2020. I want you to close your eyes. Do you mind doing this for me? Just close your eyes for a minute. I'm going to help you just visualize something real quick. I want you to see a lake. You see that lake? Somebody say, I see it. With your mind's eye, I want you to see that lake. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that at the shore of that lake, there's a strong boat dock. Now, on the lake, you're in a boat. And the boat you're in is tied to that boat dock by a rope. You see it? Now, I want you to pick up that rope, and I want you to begin to pull on it, and I want you to think about what just happened. Look up here. Everybody look up here. Can I ask you a question? When you pulled on that rope, did the dock come to you, or did you come to the dock? The reason I ask you that question is because that lake I just had you visualize is the life that we're all leading, and you are that boat on that lake, and that dock up on the shore is the one true God, solid and firm, unchangeable and unshaking. And I want you to know that the rope that's tied to your boat and that dock is a thing called prayer. And when you pick it up and begin to pull on it, God doesn't come to you. You come to God. See, when you move beyond 
just praying for his hand and start seeking his face. You're saying, God, I'm not asking the dock to come to me. I'm asking that I will be drawn to the dock. I want to be closer to you. I want to be closer to your will. I want to be closer to what you want. I want to be pulled into everything you have for me. I'm not trying to pull you out here to get what I want. Come on, church. I'm not trying to pull you in to my will. I want to draw up close to your will. I want to draw. And God said this in the book of James. He said, draw nigh unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. And we need to, to let that prayer, that seeking of the face of God, get us closer and closer and closer to God. Well, how do we do it? How do we seek the face of God? Let me give you three, three things. First of all, you need to have a daily time in God's word and prayer. A daily time. I'm not talking about hit and miss every now and again. When things go wrong, start spiraling out of control. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll brush the dust off the book. No, no, no. I'm not talking about just Sunday morning. I'm talking about every day having that time with God in prayer and in the word. If you don't have that as a believer, if we don't have that, our land's never going to know healing. We've got to quit ignoring God. And we need to pursue God. We need to seek God's face by having that daily time in the word and in prayer. I know there are those of you that are new to all of this. And you don't even, you don't know, you don't even know how to begin to study the Bible or have a daily prayer time. I would encourage you to get in one of our small groups that will help you with these things. One that I would mention is my own small group. I call it Foundations. And, and what we do over 12 weeks is we teach you the six spiritual disciplines there the New Testament describes. I'll teach you how to pray. I'll teach you how to study your Bible and apply it. I'll t- teach you how to share your faith with others. I'll teach you how to live a life that's holy and pleasing to God. I'll teach you how to make the most out of the relationships we have in the family of God. And I'll teach you how to be a person who does good works that brings glory to the Father in this curriculum. Now, there are other small groups that will be extremely helpful as well. But all of us need that daily time of prayer and the Word of God if we're going to really seek the face of God. Can I get a better amen? amen? Number two, we need to be faithful to church and to our small group. Listen, everything God's doing on the earth today, he's doing in some way or fashion through the local church. And so you've got to get connected. You've got to be here. Let me just say to those of you that are online, if there are reasons why you can't be here in person, we understand. And we're so thankful that we have this means of staying connected with you. However, if you are capable of being in God's house, you need to come get in God's house. God said we're together and we're not to neglect the gathering together with his people. You need to get in a small group. We need to connect regularly because it's in that gathering with God's people, connecting with the spiritual family, that we're really going to seek the face of God. Then thirdly, I want to encourage you, live what you learn. This isn't just uh, something to check off on your weekly to-do list. No, 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 no. You come here to learn things that you're going to apply on Monday morning. And live out throughout the week. You're going to connect with your small group to learn things. You're going to implement that will be transformational in how you do life and and how you approach God. So these are ways that we can really seek the face of God. Now let me point this out. Your peace in life will always be in direct proportion to your prayer life. Can, Can I just ask you to stop one more time? This is kind of one of those reflective teachings where we're just... We're just taking some inventory together. 
There are many of you joining us online as well as right here in the house today, and you are simply not at peace. Look, we recognize that the peace of our community is fragmented. We recognize that. We see it. And the truth is, for some of you, you don't even have peace in your own home. Right now in your own home, things are divided and divisive. But if we're going to get really honest, some of you don't even have peace within yourself. Within your own self, you're constantly at con- in conflict with yourself. You can't even get along with yourself. There's no peace in your life. You can't get any rest because you're not at peace. Let me say one more time that your peace in life is going to come in direct proportion to your prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, forget ever having real peace in life. And the reason why I'm appealing to us as as the, remember, he said, if my people, if my people, we want to tell America how to get it together. No, no, we need to tell ourselves how to get it together. So, So the reason why it's so important that we pray and seek his face so that we will know his peace is because how much you know of the peace of God determines what you put on people when you interact with them. How does... God's peace that comes through your own prayer life ultimately translate to the healing of a land? I'm going to tell you, when you're walking in peace like you're supposed to, the world's going to see it, recognize it, and want it. But we're not leaving peace on people. You understand what I mean when I, when I say leave, leave peace on people you interact with? I, I don't know if you understand the concept or not. But Jesus said this. He said, when you go to a village... Let your peace be upon the home you stay in. He, he said this in, 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 uh, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, verse 13. He said, if the house is worthy, let your peace come and rest upon it. And if, not, and if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. So we are supposed to leave a deposit of peace with everyone we interact with. But can, I just, look, can we get on? Is it okay if the church just gets honest with itself today? What we're leaving on people in our interactions with them is, it, this peace is the furthest thing from what we're leaving on people. We're leaving our interactions with people, and they're more confused than they were when we first showed up. They're more conflicted, more hurt, more disappointed, more disillusioned, because the church has not been the church that God has called us to be. That's why we've got to do more than pray for his hand. We've got to seek his face. And with that, he's going to bring a peace upon us that we're going to be able to leave on them. And ultimately, we'll see them make peace with God. We'll see them come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, let me wrap this up. We're getting ready to at least. I've talked to you today about prayer. I've talked to you about going beyond prayer. I've talked to you about seeking God's face. And you need to know that that walks hand in hand with humility. I know that I've already shared a message with you in this series about humility, but (laughs) humility's showing up again today. Because these two things walk hand in hand. And I want to state this, and I want to state it clearly. I want you to hear me with with your heart. It is possible... To pray and not be humble. I've heard a lot of arrogant prayers in my life. Come on, y'all. We think we can tell God how it ought to be. And so we go to God in our arrogance and say, God, I want you to do this, 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 this. Make it happen. Chop, chop. 
I've heard a lot of arrogant prayers in my life. I've, I've prayed a lot of arrogant prayers in my lifetime, if I'm going to be honest with you. So you can pray and not be humble, but you can't be humble and not pray. When you truly understand who God is and humble yourself before the God of all the universe, listen, you're going to pray. You're going to recognize who he is, and you're going to want to know him. You're going to want to seek to know him. You're going to want to seek his face, his presence, his person. You want to you know him. That's how humility will always posture us. Zephaniah chapter 2 verse 3 said, seek the Lord. All who are humble and follow his commands, seek to do what's right and to live humbly. Perhaps even yet the Lord will protect you. Now stop right now. Stop. How many want God to protect us from these storms? How many want God to protect our city from things other cities in the nation have seen due to all the racial tension? And th- you want God to protect us? How many want God to want to protect us from this pandemic? Come on. You want that. Do you see? Do you see what protects us? Seeking God. Seeking the face of God. Not just asking God to move for us, but seeking God to move in us is what's going to bring God's protection upon us. So so real quickly, to pray effectively, and I just feel like I needed to give you these practical measures. To pray effectively, let me just say pray from your heart. Pray from your heart. Many of you grew up in religious settings where you prayed from some card they gave you, and that's the only prayer you knew to pray. I want you to know God has more for you than that. And and what God really wants is not you praying from some card. God wants you praying from your heart. Now, again, we need to be humble. We need to be respectful when we talk to God. But you, you just really need to pour your heart out to God. You don't need any kind of King James poetry to impress God with. Call him thee, thou, thus, thither, and hither. He doesn't need you to talk like that. Talk respectfully. Talk humbly, but talk to your God from your heart. Can I get an amen? Amen. Second thing I want to say is that you need to pray scripturally. You're not going to be able to do that if you're not in the word of God. So you get in the word. You begin to learn what God has for you and what God wants from you, and you pray accordingly. You don't go to God with a laundry list of things you desire. You pray in line with what his word declares he wants from you and has for you. Not, at least nod. Somebody at least nod, at least nod at me. Okay. And then lastly, I would say this, um, lead by prayer. Everybody leads somebody. So lead by prayer. We have such a void of leadership in our culture right now. And, and, and to be honest with you, none of us really know how to handle the things we're facing right now. We've never gone through the things we're going through right now before. We don't know what to do about them. We don't have answers within ourselves. So why wouldn't we lead by prayer? Let's call on someone who does know what's going on. He does know what to do about all this. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. How about we just humble ourselves and lead others? If If you lead in your home, lead your family in prayer. If you have a business, lead your employees in prayer. Lead your friends in prayer. And let's lead them, again, in that humility before God. I believe a prayerless church has led to America's moral decay. So I believe 
a prayerful church is the key to America's survival. We'll say that one more time. A prayerless church has led America's moral decay, so only a prayerful church is the real key to America's survival. The church has to pray and seek the face of God. So Paul inspires, or, or God inspires Paul to write to Timothy in his first letter there in the New Testament. Paul writes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, here's what he said. First of all, I encourage you to make petitions, prayers, intercessions, and prayers of thanks for all people, for rulers and for everyone who has authority over us. Pray for these people so that we can have a quiet and peaceful life, always lived in a godly and reverent way. This is good. Somebody say, this is good. And pleases God our Savior. He wants all people to be saved and to learn the truth. There's so much packed into those verses. Let me just real quickly just say, first thing he says is as God's people, we should be praying for our leaders. And, and if we're not doing that, again, not now and again, hit and miss, when once again they do something stupid. No, I'm saying every day, calling on God, saying, God, Move on our leaders' hearts. God, direct them. God, help them. God, open the eyes of their... If we're not praying for our leaders, forget America ever being healed. we got to start with praying for our leadership. And then as we do, I want you to notice what he says. He says the motive of all this is a quiet and peaceful life. Wouldn't it be great if Acadiana streets were quiet and peaceful again? It's only going to happen when God's people humble themselves, pray, and seek his face. And once again, the motive, the motive for those quiet and peaceful streets is so that, look at it right there, is so that people can be saved and learn the truth. Church, I believe America wasn't a good idea. I believe it was a God idea. I believe God, in these last days, saw fit to create a platform out of a nation from which the gospel would be heralded all around the world and light would shine in the darkness like never before. It's happened now for over 200 years and the enemy is trying to put out that light. And that's why we must pray so that our land can be healed, so that we can continue to share the gospel to the four corners of the world, that people might know him, know him, not just know about him, but know him and come into the saving knowledge of his son, Jesus. When will it happen? When God's people call by God's name, humble ourselves and pray and seek his faith.